Welcome to The Coaching Cast, your working from home managers club. Here to check in with you weekly, to share your remote working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone, and acknowledge that there's many of us outside of your living room, kitchen, spare room, car, all sailing through this crazy storm together, whilst trying to be the best coach, leader, and manager we can be. I'm Susie Hunt, business coach, leadership, and sales mentor at Future You Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a one-year-old who certainly does not like being questioned. And I'm Lisa Robinwood, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach and leader, and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocates. In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment, masks and social distancing measures included. Each episode will present different topics, which we will explore and discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips as we go. We won't tell you what to do because we hate that, but we'll share and invite you to take away what you want. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, it's the season finale. Yay! So we will be looking back at our favourite moments of season one, our highlights, our favourite top tips, and also what you can expect from season two of The Coaching Cast. So stay with us and enjoy. So Lisa, before we get into the final episode of the season, how are you? How's your week been? Yeah, I can't believe we're on the final episode of the season. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, and what an incredible season it's been. I've really enjoyed it as our our first uh, step into podcasting. It's been a brilliant experience. Already excited about season two. Uh, so in terms of my week, uh, I had a really incredible experience about um, I think it was Monday. Gosh, I don't know where the week's gone now. Um, and I joined a business uh, mentorship uh, networking group that I've recently uh, become a member of. Okay. And met a incredible public speaker called Nick Elston, an incredible man, absolutely amazing. I pretty much fell in love with him during the, the session and at the end embarrassingly asked him if he could be my best friend. <laughs> Only slightly over-friendly as usual. But I was so moved by his whole presentation, which was about his career becoming a public speaker and a public speaker who specialises in talking about mental health, sharing his own personal journey with mental health and really bringing that conversation out in the open, normalising it and in very um, corporate environments, so really helping to support corporate organisations to okay. have conversations about mental health, mental wellness, mental illness, what the differences are. And I think it was so moving from the perspective of it being from him as a man and him talking about mental health for men, because even he, you know, admits it's not actually that commonly spoke about in men. And I, I know it's probably come more 
I think it's become more apparent over the last, especially 12 months while we've been living with the pandemic and talking so much about mental health. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the serious challenges that we have as a society around helping and supporting men to talk about how they feel and what's going on for them, you know, and the really sad um, high rates of male suicide. So talking to Nick, it was just incredible, such a moving individual. And I learned so much, you know, he was sharing his tips and recommendations for you know, becoming a public speaker. But I suppose it was broader than that. It was more around how do you yourself become the product that you want to sell to other people? Uh, you know, and, and how he's cultivated that for himself and his his tips. So it was things like, you know, keep your eyes open for opportunity. There's opportunity everywhere if only you're prepared to see it. You know, having a plan B is okay. Don't be ashamed of your plan B. Actually, he was saying... You know, his plan B while he was trying to cultivate his public speaking career was in a supermarket. And actually so much of the opportunity that helped propel his career came from that, which was fascinating. You know, being open and flexible, really thinking about how when it comes to defining your niche, think about what your message is. It was it was just brilliant. So, yeah, really moving talk from Nick. Uh, and a great contact to, to have been connected with on so many different levels. Sounds like a very inspiring presentation and conversation with Nick there. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Did he agree to be your best friend? He did actually. Yes. Yeah, he did oh. agree. To, he said he had a slot open, and that <laughs> I'd, I'd be more than happy. He'd be more than happy for, for me to, to move into that. He may change his mind. Uh, it depends whether a restraining order is required. Who knows. <laughs> You know, as usual, I'm not so sure whether that's an attractive way to build a friendship. You know, literally like throw yourself at someone. I'm clearly desperate for social interaction, aren't I? That's what it is. <laughs> anyway. Are we all? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Suze? How has your week been? So um, my week's been, I suppose, a bit more mundane. So we've had a bit of a poorly house um, the last week or so. So my son's not been very well. He's fine now, um, but it kind of threw everything up in the air and slightly into chaos with the whole dilemma of how do we navigate working for each of us and looking after him and kind of uh doing life yeah Um, so yeah that's been a little bit challenging but we're fine now we're through it and he's yeah he's back to normal being his um normal cheeky chappy self (laughs) uh running around around me yeah Yeah. i bet he is (laughs) but i also have um i also I, i have a food uh like question today which I was thinking about I know yeah. I know normally these um these buttes come from yourself but I <laughs> I was thinking about it so you know when you have like um you might have a few crackers and a bit of cheese on an evening oh yeah my favorite dinner yeah or in the words of an American housewife we've talked about this before I'm obsessed with any form of American real housewives um reality tv they refer to it as a cheese plate so oh my gosh we have a cheese plate um that is what they refer to it basically cheese and crackers as but anyway we digress um but you know then when you think when you have that you then get a bit stressed about having crazy dreams because you've eaten cheese before Mm. you've gone to bed yeah why is that i have no idea that is Mm. a good question isn't it to do generally with what time you eat and eating it late, like enjoying your cheese plate too late at night and all of that fat, like the, how it processes into sugar and keeps you awake. Is it something to do that? I don't know. 
I don't know, but that was my food uh, conundrum mm. this week. Excellent. Another one to mix it up. So uh, again, the middle class food banter continues. So if anyone knows why there's a myth around eating cheese and if giving you bad nightmares, let us know. Please let us know. I think I tend to find that I eat a cheese board usually as a, like when I nearly always have more than enough to eat. But I've also had too much to drink and I get the alcohol munchies and then I have a cheese board as well. And the reason I can't sleep afterwards is because I'm probably drunk and have crazy <laughs> dreams from that, not necessarily from cheese. So I'm thinking, hmm, I can only imagine that an alcoholic wrote that comment about crazy dreams. I think it's got more to do with what else they're consuming rather than the cheese. That. But who knows? If anyone knows, please email us at hello at the coachingcast.co.uk. Here for all of your middle class food dilemmas, as well as questions about work, remote working and coaching in general. <laughs> and coaching hints and tips. We're very diverse <laughs> on this podcast in terms of our content. <laughs> Indeed. On that note, should we get chatting? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. In today's episode, it's all about pausing and reflecting on our podcasting journey so far, a practice we've spoken a fair amount about on this season of The Coaching Cast. So for those of you who don't know, The Coaching Cast was born from a conversation Lisa and I had at a lunch back in the summer of 2020, when you could actually go out and (laughs) socialise. Do you remember those times? I miss them. A very long time ago now. (laughs) (laughs) We felt so passionately that we wanted to try and normalise coaching, drive some awareness of its practice, as well as its benefits, and build a community for all of us who found ourselves working remotely. A few wines later, and maybe a cheese board, and voila, (laughs) this is episode 10 of The Coaching Cast. So Lisa, what have been your favourite bits of the season? So... I've gone right back to episode two when we started talking about the topic of connectedness and how to build effective relationships while we're working remotely from home. Because I think at the time when we first started the podcast, that was one of the most sort of prominent themes at the time. And if anything, possibly one of the most obvious, which was we're missing one another. We're missing working with one another. So That was definitely an episode I think really resonated with me at the time. I felt really passionate about. And actually the clip I've chosen, which we'll we'll play next, is one from yourself, Susie, actually, when talking about how important it is to create consistency and purposefulness around the action to create a connection and to build an effective relationship. Effective relationships are, I think, built from consistent actions that foster trust, teamwork, communication, and mutual respect from those that we work with uh, in in obviously a workplace setting. The more comfortable we are, I think, with those that we work with, the more confident we will be in um, voicing our thoughts, problem solving together, taking risks and and just generally working together. Uh, And when people see this way of working thrive and, and really kind of deliver, it will um, increase morale and productivity. I think what I really like about the clip is 
I think that point around consistency, which I think is so relevant in all aspects of managing and leading teams in terms of not consistency in respect of doing the same thing over and over again, but actually consistency in the commitment to take action and the consistency in the, I think, the real intention to build a relationship and to recognize actually it requires continual maintenance. So none of this is a one-off exercise. And I was thinking about even in respect of the consistency of committing to time. And I think we came up with some great ideas in that episode to help people really think about how you manage time. How do you set aside time to manage these interactions with your teams, to create that space to connect and then stay committed to actually trying different things and mixing it up so that it does create a bit of variety and intrigue and interest because obviously doing the same thing over and over again people can get really bored with yeah and therefore what I love about all of this when it comes to consistency and taking commitment to take action is how much it creates a habit and habits are things that you then do unconsciously you do them all the time and it just becomes part of what you are what you're about what you do but habits are only created from that consistent commitment to take action and to do something so yeah that that was my first one that I picked that's a really great one and building on that as well that habit um kind of creation is is important for yourself and other people as well so if you lead or manage people the fact that you have that consistency in perhaps your ways of working, in your meeting schedules, um, in the converse types of conversations you have, you have that rhythm in the way that you work will create those really um, positive and purposeful habits for others as well. Definitely. Definitely. Brilliant. So that was my first one. Okay. Well, you've started with a good one there. So I'm, I'm eagerly waiting to hear what your others are. So my next one is actually the third episode. And this is the episode where we were talking about motivating yourself and others. And we were joined by Mike Mayer from Take a Deep Breath. Oh, and it was just, Mike. Yeah, it was such a great conversation with Mike. And I think quite a different approach to motivation, like really thinking about the physicality mm. Um, rather than just the mental and creating that relationship between your body, how you look after yourself and how it impacts your mind. Mm. I mean, I'd never really encountered breath work until I spent time with Mike and that episode and what we talked about, the content of it in respect of Mike sharing his journey and talking about accurate breathing has stayed with me probably longer than any other. And it's definitely the episode that most people tend to talk to me about and leave most of our comments around. So it feels like it really connected with people because it really taught them something new, which was great. So I particularly like the clip and this is what we'll play next around. And it's really simple, but around sleep. If we just take a step back, because I think there's, there's we, we spoke very lightly about sleep earlier. Um, without because we talk about, you know, how do you motivate a team of people? Mm. How do you, um, how do you bring the best version of yourself to work every day with the pandemic that's going on? Well, well for me, sleep is the foundation. Uh, and I think it's, it's very easy to say that. Um, and we all, 
we could all reel off information right now about what makes good sleep, but then actually do people practice that? So, so I think when, when we talk about how do you bring a motivated team in, how do you bring the best version of yourself and how do you get through this pandemic, how do you do all those sorts of things? My number one tip would be sleep. So I think the reason I've picked this clip amongst everything we spoke to about with Mike is the simplicity of it, because I think sleep, I know for me personally, is an area I think I overlook and I dismiss. In that I think it's obvious how important it is. So therefore I don't really think about it, but therefore I'm not necessarily being conscious around how qualitative my sleep actually is and yeah. how much impacts me when I don't sleep that well. So I really like the whole conversation of, you know, let's start right at the beginning. Let's get the foundation right when it comes to where does you know, how can we best manage our motivation for ourselves and our team? Actually, let's get rest because that tops up our energy tanks. And then we've got the energy to be motivated. You know, they're all linked. And actually, the more energy you have, the more you are able to engage your brain do, doing so effectively and therefore giving energy for yourself, but also outwardly, because we know as managers and leaders, you're there to motivate all of those around you as well. And we talk about the different levels in that particular episode and how you need to have energy for yourself, but then you have energy for the people you manage. And you also have energy for those who lead you because you're contributing upwards, not to mention then your, you know, your family and friends who you're spending time with at the weekend. And obviously we talked about that because of the trying to lift people up during the pandemic, you know, you're trying to give up energy to everyone all the time. Mm. So actually topping up your energy tank, really looking at your sleep and your breathing and your health is so crucial. 100%. And I think as well, like I certainly uh, learn a huge amount from our conversation with Mike. I think I've ever been as conscious of the way that I was breathing before. And I, I kind of am now. And um, when I was in hospital with my appendix situation, um, I remember there being points where I listened back to Mike's interview and um he was talking about the breathing and I was thinking, right, I need to actually implement this right now in this situation. So that was really good because it was like some really practical tips that he gave us around um, being able to focus in on that piece um, there and then. And the, the piece around sleep, it's so obvious, isn't it? But you just, until someone points it out to you, you don't really think about how it all connects together. So they're my two first clips. Then my final clip, it's also another clip, um, an episode where we featured a guest and it was with the lovely Helen Franklin. And that was the episode around managing performance. Yeah. And I just loved the conversation with Helen. I could relate to so much of what she said and it was so fantastic pooling all three of our knowledges and experiences together and talking about those shared experiences. And I, I do really enjoy that. And I'm sure anyone who's listened or watched the episode will can, can see my enthusiasm because it's tough to shut me up in that episode. I think. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it and I love learning from others as well. I just think Helen shared so much great wisdom, but it, there were so many moments. I found this really hard to pick a clip because I had so many clips of Helen. Yeah. So I, I had to narrow it down. I picked one. Um, and that was her sort of piece around curiosity. So we'll play that for you now and then we'll talk a little bit about it. If you go in with a curious stance rather than a, I'm going in to give you feedback, 
then you're in a much better place, particularly when working virtually. Because if you're used to being face to face with someone where you can sit by them and look at their work and see them behaving and give feedback in a corridor conversation, that's gone now. So you've got to be thinking to yourself, if I'm going to have a conversation where I think I'm going to give some feedback, I might not actually know the full reality because I'm not seeing everything as much as I used to. So can I give an example? Like, let's just think about, yeah, yeah, so if we, if we think about, um, let's just say I manage a guy called, called John and one of his responsibilities is to give me a report every two weeks. And he's been doing that over the last six months. And I, it's really important because this report then goes to my manager and it manages a load of stakeholders. So let's just say that John stopped giving me this report about, you know, I don't know, maybe a month ago. I've eventually plucked up courage to have a conversation with John about it because that's sometimes how it goes, isn't it? You know you need to, but you haven't. Uh, there are two ways I could do it, right? So one might be, John, you've stopped giving me that report. I don't know what's going on, but it's not good enough. And you know that my manager needs that report and it's just got to change and I want it different from next month. Done, right? <laughs> or we could say, John, I've noticed that the report hasn't been coming in for the last two weeks, but six months before that, we, you know, every two weeks it was coming in without fail. So I've got to think there's some conditions or something going on here that I'm not aware of. And I'd love to explore that with you. Just tell me more about it. So I just love this clip around exploring the reality for someone prior or rather as part of sharing feedback. I think it's it's definitely a technique with giving feedback that I've shared myself over the years which is never assume you really know what's going on for someone in any given situation and really seek to understand first before you share with them your perspective. Mm. So you can be really confident that actually the feedback you are giving them is relevant and is going to be helpful because I truly believe that feedback should be a, a gift. It should be useful information, but it only will be if it's, well-informed and so I just really loved Helen's piece about curiosity and the example she shared about those two differences between you know taking approach A over B and how different they sound and therefore you know what the different outcomes you're going to get depending on which one you pick and I thought you know she brought that to life just so beautifully I loved it. I loved our conversation with Helen as well. We only had, a, you know, a defined amount of time to chat to her, but I could have probably spoken to her all day. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, me too. I probably did try and speak to her all day, <laughs> but we only had a finite amount of time, as you said, and needed to cut it down. It was supposed to be about <laughs> Helen, not about me. So, yeah, I got totally carried away. But I loved it. So, yeah, so it, it's been challenging because I've loved many episodes. Uh, I know yes. I know the episode around resilience was a really special episode for me as well but I had to pick and that's the ones I've chosen so what, what about you Susie what have been your favorite parts of this season it was definitely hard to highlight a couple like you said I've there's a lot of um stuff I've really enjoyed within each episode um the first one I've picked is actually um a little bit that featured in the start of episode four which um, actually just made me smile and laugh so much that I needed to uh, call it out, which was our debate around um, the origin of a Jerusalem artichoke, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Go 
because I think on that that day we recorded, it honestly tickled me so much. I loved it, and I just thought this is made me smile. And if it makes somebody else smile as much as it's made me smile, I need to pull this out as one of our great one of, one of my highlights. Excellent. Um, so that's in episode four about beauty around um, our conversation on the Jerusalem artichoke. So please go and check that out. Um, <laughs> And we'll uh, we'll play it for you now. <laughs> I'm not sure I've I've had a normal artichoke or a Jerusalem artichoke. I also don't know if all artichokes are Jerusalem. And also, are they from Jerusalem? And is that why they're called Jerusalem artichokes? Anyway, that stumped me this week. I haven't really got to the bottom of that one yet. But my next, um, I suppose, kind of favourite bit um, is centred around uh, our episode on building resilience. And specifically, there's a piece um, which you and I have a conversation around, which is how we respond and create our bounce back ability when we face a challenge. So we'll play the clip for you now and then I'll, I'll talk about it in a moment. You know, resilience is our ability to choose how we respond. And I think when we make a conscious effort around how we're going to react and how we're going to move forward, it tells our brain that we can actually embrace change. And that's quite an important trigger. Um, And how we kind of take action is our our anchor around how we bounce back into scenarios and and from situations. And that kind of all improves our optimism it helps us with our kind of communication, our engagement, our motivation. So what I love about this particular point is how we kind of talk about um, how our bounce back ability really impacts a lot of what we then go on to do to overcome adversity or challenge. And that that really builds our resilience. And I think in that episode as well, I talk a little bit about, um, I think I nicknamed it the um, the cauldron of resilience. <laughs> yeah, you did say cauldron. That is true. Um, I don't know where that came from. I just kind of uh, <laughs> created that in the moment. Um, but I, I think it's true. You know, all those experiences that we face really does create this part of experience that we can we can then draw upon and, and, and improves and, and builds our resilience for when we need to pull on it and, and use it. And that bounce back ability and how we then move forward is anchored in the action that we then take. And I just found that like a really simple and very clear um, reasoning behind the why the way we choose to respond can really help us in both building our resilience but also in moving forward and then my final point uh, around some of my favorite bits was what you've actually already talked about which was chatting to Mike and Helen our guests on learned so much we've we've chatted about what we've learned through speaking to them both already um but I think having that opportunity to talk um, and learn about things that I didn't necessarily know very much about especially with the breathing work with Mike and being able to kind of listen to Helen's wisdom in on that subject area of managing performance I feel really privileged to be able to have had that opportunity to talk to them and have a conversation and, and listen to their great um, hints and tips. Uh, and one of my favourite clips with Mike is here. I mean, it really is automatic most of the time. Hmm. Um, so we breathe about 25,000 breaths per day. 
Um, and, you know, 99.9% of those are going to be automatic, but they are they're almost a learnt behavior. So if you look at a young child, they're breathing with the belly, they're breathing with the diaphragm, they've got a really good natural breath routine. But as we get older and become more self-conscious and we see the Barbie dolls and all these different things, we start <clears throat> sucking our stomach in. So our diaphragm can't move properly. Uh, we're, we're experiencing chronic stress all the time and stress breathing is mouth breathing. So we still end up breathing with our mouth with our diaphragm not moving. We end up breathing shallow. So, so we end up changing this thing that was given to us by nature and we end up ruining it. But the good thing is we can go back and we can kind of recapture it again. And my favorite clip where we talk with Helen um, is this one. Performance management is everything from setting somebody up in the right role where they can really play to their best strengths, um, set their expectations, what they need to do, both in terms of results and behaviours, give them the best conditions to do well, give them feedback, recognition and monitor progress. So we've talked a little bit, Lisa, about our favourite moments of season one have there been any podcasting experiences or moments which have not gone so well for you I think it's been a challenge in respect of the technical nature of podcasting and I found it challenging as well as interesting as an experience in terms of learning all about it but I think my most frustrating moments have definitely been to do with trying to really capture the sound of our podcast in a very professional qualitative way and I think therefore my most frustrating moment was my was the building work that decided to feature in episode eight with Helen and the complications of trying to record the episode moving literally all around my house to find the quietest space to be able to conduct the recording and it's interesting being out of control of my environment really wound me up and yet if you think about it that's so true of this like last 12 months that we haven't had control over the environment we've had to be in at any given time. We haven't had a choice around it. We've been forced inside and forced to stay in one place. So, yeah, I felt like there was a relationship between the two of them. But I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? Let it go in the words of, words of Elsa from Frozen. So, yeah, but I think that's <laughs> definitely been my challenge and the moments where I've felt it's not gone so well for me personally trying to nail the sound what about you Susie what 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 have been your I suppose most challenging elements of this podcast well I think for me it's got to be the erupted or ruptured appendix (laughs) yes Um, The, the, the erupted appendix, yeah. The erupted appendix two days after we launched probably wasn't <laughs> ideal. Um, and kind of sitting in hospital thinking, oh my goodness, we need to come up with a plan B. I'm not going to be able to, you know, record an episode this week. Um, but we did come up with a plan B. So thanks very much to Mike for yeah. stepping in there and helping us out. Um, Good content there, Mike. Enable us yeah. to have a bonus episode. absolutely um so yeah that probably wasn't ideal um but it gave me a really good um I really missed it actually when we didn't do it and and I think when we came back uh, and recorded episode six I really enjoyed it and I think you could tell that um listening back to the episode that we were glad to both be back uh you know 
chatting like we do yeah. <laughs> on this podcast absolutely and you know coming back to that whole that point you were just talking about around bounce back ability and how we forge together all of our experiences to support us with our resilience and how our resilience has grown from that you demonstrated that in buckets your cauldron came out <laughs> And you fully utilize, utilize the full content of your cauldron to get you through that. And the way you came back with loads of energy and positivity, considering I know how tough that experience was for you in, in the hospital with your erupted appendix was amazing. So you personified you. That, that resilience hugely. Walk your talk, <laughs> I think it's called. So well done, Susie. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was just pulling my cauldron <laughs> towards me to uh, grab all that resilience out of it. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. But no, thanks for that. I think as well, like there's been at the outtakes. I mean, we record this podcast. So you obviously, if you're listening to it um, on Apple or Spotify, you won't see some of the um, you know visual images, but we also uh, have it available on YouTube as well. So we record this both from an audio perspective and um, uh, visually as well. Some of the outtakes, I mean, and there's been moments where we've both both individually or together just absolutely lost the plot. <laughs> um, you know, our, some of my little boy's toys have gone off in the background because I'm oh, recording yeah. in his playroom. We've had builders, we've had dogs barking. Yeah, we've had dogs. Um, it's just some husbands. of the husbands, husbands yep. walking in to get coffee. Um, so washing yeah, machine think, is the most melodic washing machine I've ever heard. Yeah absolutely my washing machine doesn't play me a song every time it finishes (laughs) its washing (laughs) so yeah I think we've had probably some of the most domestic challenges ever but as everybody else has had working from home so I think keeping it real on this podcast has been really important to us as we go through and hopefully we have done that and you've laughed along the way with us as things haven't quite gone to plan So, Lisa, if you could pick your favourite top tips from season one that have like really resonated with you and stuck in your mind, what would they be? So I think it would be from episode two in terms of connections and building effective relationships. I have already shared the clip that this came from, but it is your tip around taking consistent action with consistent intention. So that was my first one. My second one comes from the episode around resilience and it was my tip. And actually it's a tip I still share and I still practice. I'm I'm still a work in progress, everyone, which was around being inspired, not intimidated by other people to try and support and protect myself, practice a bit of self-care and self-compassion, which we talked a lot about to help build and grow our resilience and then I think my third one because I've I've picked three was from the episode with Helen and it was just the simpleness of don't be frightened of having a conversation so when it comes to managing performance it starts with building and growing relationships which all begin from conversations and when you're managing performance the more conversations you have the easier they become and then when you do need to address performance as well as celebrate it having a conversation isn't so scary so I did like that point of like don't be afraid of a conversation just do it 
Yeah. They're my top and tips. I think, and I think on that point, actually, we've had a little bit of feedback from some of our listeners that, that that's really resonated with them, that maybe they were putting off some difficult conversations. And so by doing that, made things harder in their mind than it actually needed to be. Yeah, absolutely. If you plan and prep in the right way, it doesn't need to be as scary and as difficult as you um, are maybe building it up to be. So I think that is a really good top tip that's come out of season one. Cool. What about for you, Susie? What were your favourite top tips? So I've got three that I've picked as well. My first one is from episode seven, where we talk about emotional intelligence in leadership. Um, And that was the top tip of um, always seeking to empathize and be kind mm-hmm. um, I think in our interactions generally in life and especially at the moment probably in society and with everything that's going on with the pandemic just always trying to be as kind as we possibly can to ourselves and other people the second top tip I've got is also from our conversation with Helen on episode eight uh, and that's around having a curious mindset So I think you talked a lot about it um, before, but, you know, just um, going into conversations with that intention of um, trying to seek to understand before you then give a view or before you then give feedback and to build that context and understanding of what's going on um, for that other person in their world. I think that's a really important approach to managing well and um, on your kind of own personal leadership journey, wherever you are on that as well. And the final one, um, which I really liked, again, probably more because of its simplicity, is the power of storytelling. And we talk about this in episode six on managing change. And the top tip specifically is around, in our communications, the power of storytelling and if we can bring that into the way we communicate of having a really clear start middle and end in that communication gives a really good foundation I think to structure both verbal and written communication with um I think if you do that in some respects you can't go far wrong as a starting point so I think for me that's a really tangible takeaway from season one So Lisa's top tips from season one are number one, take consistent action and have consistent intentions. Number two, being inspired, not intimidated by others. And number three, don't be frightened having a conversation, especially if it's going to be a potentially difficult one. Just do it. And my top tips from season one are try and always empathize and be kind to others and yourself. Have a curious mindset is number two. And number three, make sure you storytell. Have a clear start, middle and end in all of your communications. So, at this point in the show, in each episode, we listen to one of our listeners' questions and aim to respond to those questions. Throughout this first season, we've had lots of you send through your questions. And so we wanted to use this time to really thank all of you who've contacted us 
for sharing your scenarios and your questions and being so brave to do so. We've really enjoyed hearing from you and we're really looking forward to receiving your updates on how you've progressed since. For season two, any of our listeners who've sent through their questions um, and contacted us to let us know how they've got on, we will share their feedback and let you know their progress and their learnings and their thoughts on the recommendations that we, we were given. If those of you who are listening have a question for us and you would like it answering in season two, get in touch. You can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can send us a message on Instagram at thecoachingcast. It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which, quite frankly, make us cringe. Today's Bullshit Bingo is triage. We think this means where you diagnose the root of problems and what is happening in certain business situations. But to be frank, we have absolutely no idea what this means. No. No, definitely not. This one completely stumped me, this one. Um, same. This, for me, having had a recent hospital stay, also makes me think about being in hospital. Um, that's not a positive experience for me <laughs> in no. general. <laughs> no, understandably. I think I said to you, there's so many of these bullshit bingos where I actually don't understand them. And yet it's making me really question how I've managed to survive in business for this long without getting it seems like most of what has been spoken at me around unless you don't understand any of this so how on earth did I make any progress no it's all a fluke clearly but maybe this is why you know I haven't got quite to the top of the tree I don't speak enough bullshit bingo going over your head that's that, that might not be a bad thing to be honest who knows um, who knows who knows especially I don't know what this one's about um if, <laughs> Have you had a favourite bullshit bingo this season? <laughs> to be honest, I think Journey in episode nine was my oh. favourite. Mainly on the grounds <laughs> of I realised how much I use it. But <laughs> as I explained in episode nine, I do use the word journey a lot in, in how I talk about what I do and in the context of coaching. And I do think it can be used well. I also think, though, it's one of my favourite bullshit bingos because in the times it's been used, in my opinion, out of context or rather inappropriately in a corporate work sense, I've just laughed so loudly on the inside, knowing that really all it is is just covering up a load of mistakes and nonsense and people are skirting around an issue. Uh, so I think that's why it's my favourite, because I do think it's <laughs> hilarious when it's used like that, just to like paper over the cracks. <laughs> what's been your favorite so my favorite has got to be um reflecting back probably paradigm shift <laughs> i completely <laughs> forgot about paradigm shift <laughs> another one i don't um, get <laughs> absolutely no idea what it means um again evokes very strong response in me um when i hear it um and yeah just Brilliant. I just thought it was absolutely cracker of a bullshit bingo. Um, summarized the purpose of this feature brilliantly for me. So I had to I had to be paradigm shift. 
Brilliant. And we've got some great bullshit bingos coming up for you all in season two. The list is long. We are coming to the end of today's episode and season of The Coaching Cast. A season where we've had an erupted appendix, many middle-class food quandaries, and lots of great conversations, especially with our season guests, Mike Mayer and Helen Franklin. In season two, you can look forward to more conversations and debates on relevant topics in business and coaching as we transition out of lockdown living. We also have some super exciting guests lined up who we'll be chatting to and even more bullshit bingo. We will be back in early May with season two of The Coaching Cast, but do not worry, we will still be active on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast. And there are also 10 episodes of The Coaching Cast that you can listen to and catch up on whilst we are away, wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube by searching The Coaching Cast. We really hope you've enjoyed our first season as much as we've enjoyed making it and have lots of new ideas, hints and tips to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us on email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can find us on Instagram and message us directly there at thecoachingcast. Your support has meant everything to us so far. We've now had over a thousand listens, which is a huge achievement and we really, really appreciate it. And thank you again to everyone who's listened. If you've heard anything this season that you've really enjoyed and you want to share it with other people, then we would love you to do so. You can follow us on Instagram. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And obviously, even more importantly to us, you can subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcast and share the recommendation of the podcast with all of your friends and family. And as Susie's already said, you can find us on YouTube on our own YouTube channel, which is called The Coaching Cast. We both love music and we use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next Zoom or Teams meeting. We have both chosen a track this week to celebrate our end of season one. And my choice this week is Nina Simone, Feeling Good. And my choice is Magnificent by Elbow. Because we love music so much and have shared with you some of our favourite tracks through this first season, we've compiled a Spotify playlist to mark the end of season one to celebrate it that includes all of the tracks that we've recommended since we started. You can find that Spotify playlist by looking on Spotify for the coaching cast and you should be able to see it on your feed as season one playlist. So we really hope you enjoy listening to it. It is a random mishmash of songs (laughs) when you listen to it collectively, but hopefully that'll make you smile. Thank you all so much for listening to the first season of the coaching cast. We hope you have a great month or so. And remember... You've got this! this.